morning. It's nice to see you all here. Thank you. How many got here early because of time change? Anyone? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a few people. Well, thank you for being with us today. It's nice to have you with us. And so uh, we're in in the fourth part of a four-part series that's kind of a two-parter. I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, By the way, my name is Ray, one of the pastors here at Calvary. And it's nice to have you here and, and you who are watching online we're going to talk about future today. We've talked about family, we've talked about formation, we've talked about foundation. Now we're going to talk about family. And then uh, I'm going to cover that today. And then Pastor Taylor next week is going to be speaking, uh, and the C7 band will be playing. The youth will be kind of doing the service. Make sure you come, because they're, they're fantastic. You're, you're going to be blessed if you, if you make the effort to come. So please, join us next week. And then November 19th and 20th, uh, we're going to kind of lay out some stuff that we've been thinking on for the last six months, and it's going to be great. And I just encourage you to come and be a part uh, and hear what God is going to do here at Calvary in so many different ways that our entire team is just excited to share with you. And then we're into Thanksgiving, we're into Advent, and just great times here at Calvary Community Church. Did you love the worship today? Boy, I did. That song I exalty is, and I tell you this every time he sings it, one of the songs we sang at the very first service we had here almost 35 years ago. I exalt thee. That's a timeless song. It just is. And so... We exalt the Lord, our Savior, today. So, uh, I, feel, I feel a little awkward because we have you stand up and sit down, and some of you get a little nervous because you think you're back at uh, Catholic Church. But uh, would, you, uh, would you stand with us once again? Uh, yeah, it's how we keep you awake, that's right. And so we have this thing called Respect the Word here at Calvary Community Church, and so we want to do that. We're going to read Isaiah 61. If you want to turn there in your Bibles... It'll come up on the screen or use one, whatever you have today. But uh, Jesus quoted this uh, in, in another place. But we're going to read Isaiah 61. And here we go. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Lord, take your word. May it go deep within our hearts today by your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So uh, as we jump into this day, let's start with, uh, uh, if you will, let's do that first slide, that house. Uh, We're building a house here at Calvary Community Church. We're talking to you and and explaining what's important about the values of our home. And we believe that we need a strong foundation. Everyone with me on that? Need a strong foundation. We believe that word foundation means, for us anyway, it means theology, a study of God, a study of the Holy Spirit, study of Jesus. Understanding and increasing our depth of knowledge, our depth of understanding. But it's, it doesn't reside alone. In addition to that, then you have, you have this family that we're all a part of. If you're a guest here today, we invite you to join us as part of the family the body of Christ, or what we have up there is the church. We are the church. Now listen, some of the stuff we're talking about can get a little mundane, so I'm going to ask you not to be thinking about the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to take care of themselves today, okay? What you need to take care of is you here right now, okay? 
So stay with me. Don't, don't leave. And then on the other side, we have that other column of formation. We're called to be uh, disciples of the Lord Jesus. We constantly grow in our faith. And then on top of the foundation, on top of found, uh, excuse me, formation, on top of family, is this covering called, called the, the, the fourth F, as it were, uh, the future, which means mission. So we're going to talk about mission today. Now really, the last one, the, the top, that, that arch up at the top, can only be there because we have a firm foundation, because we understand that we're part of the family, the body of Christ, and because we recognize that we're called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're talking about mission today. Now, whenever I use the word mission, I think of that old series, 1963, Mission Impossible. Anybody? Done. Done. I mean, doesn't that theme start going through your head the minute I mention it? You know, Peter Graves is sitting there in 1960, 1963, and he's getting this mission that he's supposed to undertake. And what's that famous line? This mission, should you what? Thank you for four of you knowing that. Uh, and then you've got Tom Cruise coming along, and then Tom ups the ante. Now the world is in danger every time Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible comes on the screen. Nuclear holocaust is, is, is about to happen. And, and so uh, today we're going to talk about mission and why it's important for you and I. Now I'll, I'll try to slow down from time to time because I get wound up. <sighs> why it's important for you and I to accept the mission. As Christ's followers, why the mission is so important. Mission is the one that needs the understanding of family foundation and formation, a strong foundation. You can't succeed in the mission until you have a firm understanding of who God is. Uh, a discipleship. You can't understand mission until you realize that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're called to be engaged in mission. Uh, the church, until we understand we're part of the body, the family, the church, we won't understand our role and we won't have enough passion, as it were, to fulfill the mission around us. And so these, these concepts are important. Now, the most familiar text, as we get into this today, the most familiar text about mission within Scripture is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Okay? Now understand, I'm not talking about simply going on missions. I'm talking about the grander, larger concept of mission and how, our, what, how we play in it. Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The words of Jesus. Jesus goes on to say in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, if we're not careful, we who've been in church a long time, we, it's, it's easy for us to take these words for granted. It's easy for us to be so familiar with the words of Jesus. It's called the Great Commission that we don't take it quite as seriously as maybe we should. We miss their importance. Jesus didn't say these things in haste. He didn't say it because he had to fill up words on a page of the Bible. He said it because indeed it was the mission, it was the commandment, it was the call of God before the foundations of the word. He's giving us his final orders. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna go, Holy Spirit's gonna come, wait for him, and then he's gonna make you witnesses to the rest of the world, to all of the earth. Jesus was sharing a plan that was set in motion before the foundations of the world. It's not a last minute plan. It's not an accident. It wasn't, there was nothing else to do. 
It was the plan before the foundation of the world. That, that, that should make you understand it wasn't my plan, your plan, it's God's plan. If I could go off on a tangent for just a minute, consequently, if it's God's mission, if it's the missio Dei, the mission of God, then I don't have any right to, to go in a different direction, right? In other words, if it's God's mission, if it's God's plan, then I have to stay directly on task, directly in the mission, in the purpose that God gives for me. The mission doesn't belong to the local pastor. The mission doesn't belong to the local church. The mission of God belongs to, belongs to God. God's mission, God's plan has always been this, to redeem the world, to redeem the world and, and to go make disciples and baptize and teach and then to, to just keep forming them into witnesses of who Jesus is to fulfill the mission. Now, the word mission simply means this. The word mission means to send. It means to send. Nothing more, nothing less. It means to send. The, the Father sends the Son. The Father and Son send the Spirit. The Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, sends the church to fulfill the mission, to fulfill the plan, the purposes of God. God is the sender. He owns the mission and commands us, you and I, to be involved in his mission. At its core, the, missions, the, the, the mission of God is about three words. It's about redemption, it's about reconciliation, it's about restoration. These three. It's about these three, about redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. There's, at its core, it's, it's God's amazing love. It's God's amazing grace toward you and me. He invites us into his family. At its core, it's about his desire for relationship, for engagement, at its core, it's to redeem lost people. It's to reconcile. It's to bring back those who, like the prodigal son, ended up in another land and need to come home. That's the mission. That's the mission today. That's the mission of God, to restore the sense of kingdom in, in the hearts and minds of his followers. And, and we'll, live in, we'll live in that tension always of we live in the kingdom now, but there is a kingdom to come where he will be king of kings and lord of lords, and he will reign. Everyone still with me today? That's the call. We're called to be a, a, a church that is on mission with reconciliation, redemption, and restoration. The mission of, of Jesus begins with this thought. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The spirit of God is on me. And as Jesus said that when he spoke, even so you and I must have the same conviction today that the Holy Spirit of God is on us to do what Jesus did because Jesus said we would do what he would do and we would do it to greater degree. We're called to be a man and, and men and women who, who sense that the Holy Spirit of the Lord uh, is upon us as a collective, as the body of Christ, the church, but as individuals today, that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he is calling us into the mission of God, the mission of Jesus today, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit that opened the tomb and brought Jesus forth and sent him out of the tomb is sending us out, us into the world today. It's the call of the church. It's the call of every Christ follower today. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, draws us into the family of God, uh, helps us become more like Jesus, helps us build a strong foundation, gives us spiritual gifting so that we might go. And then ultimately he says this, go and, and love people. Go and he sends us to love people, to redeem, restore and reconcile, not in our own strength, not in our own power, not in our own name, but in the power and the lordship of Jesus Christ today. That's who he calls us to be. That's who he wants us to, to follow. And we proclaim Jesus to a lost and dying world. What's the mission? It's the same one Jesus said. We go out into the world and we encourage the brokenhearted. I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's my job. 
there's a lot of brokenness out there. To be honest, there's a lot of brokenness in here. There's a lot of brokenness. There's the brokenness of fear. There's the brokenness of, of stress. Everybody is so stressed out today. Financially, socio, I mean, I could just go on and on, but there's just an anxiety level, a stress level that is just at the, at the top of, of, of everyone's lives today. And he encourages us to go into the world and encourage those who are brokenhearted. We're called to proclaim freedom to those who are in darkness. Can we just agree? Can we just agree? Hey, folks, you can have some, there's some seats right up here. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but come on down, seriously. There's plenty of, there's seats down here if you want. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but. And they're sitting in the back. I don't blame you. <laughs> Mistake on my part, sorry. Just trying to be helpful. Uh, we live in a, uh, uh, to proclaim freedom to those in darkness. Can we just all agree that we live in a dark time? It seems like everybody's angry. I mean, angry. We live in a time, as everyone has said, it's almost a cliche. You can't just disagree with the person. Now you got to hate them. We live in a time of fear. No one knows what's going on. And boy, a darkness of, of sin and divisiveness and polarization and self and selfishness and all these things. It's a darkness that's just kind of settled in the world. And, and, and what does the Holy Spirit say to you and I? He calls us to go out into the world and pierce the darkness. To pierce the darkness. That we, we bring Jesus into the dark places of the world and we shine our lights and, and become who God has called us to be. And then it says this, we're to comfort those who mourn. There's a sadness. There is a, a, you know, not just mental health, but there's just a sadness in so many people out there because they don't feel like they matter. They don't feel like they have value. They don't feel like anyone cares. And if there's one group who should go and just pierce the darkness and shine the light and do all the stuff, it should be you and I that says, you have value. You matter to God. Was that me? You have value. I'm just getting wound up here. Hallelujah. And so uh, we're, called to set, we're called to be men and women who set the captive free. Say, well, Pastor Ray, I can't set anybody free. You're absolutely correct there, sir. And neither can I, but we know one who can. His name is Jesus. And when we go and we proclaim Jesus and we preach Jesus and we let them know it can set people free and it can be, bring comfort in the name of Jesus. It moves people, as the Bible just told us, from despair to joy. Honestly, what happened to the joy ever since this stupid pandemic came? It's like there's been this wave of sadness and, and we can't smile and we can't do... Hey, you know what? God's God and Jesus died and rose again. Get happy. And, and I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about happiness that's saying go to Disneyland. I'm saying the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we gotta, we gotta change some things around here. Remind the world that Jesus is coming back. And there's not a man on earth that can proclaim that, but there is one whose name is Jesus who's going to split those clouds, come in on this horse with a sword and a spear. He's going to look really good, and it's going to be phenomenal. And we're all going to love and say, wow, Jesus is back. Hallelujah. And, and I think we all agree, even so, Lord Jesus, come today. Please. Anyway. We're called to remove. I mean, we go into communities. You know, it said that verse 4. We, we, we restore devastated communities. Both here and around the world, we, we go and we restore, we build up. We make new again. We give people hope through, it, through building a building or, 
or just being there or working down at the Street of Dreams or, or Street of Dreams, Street of Treats. Sorry, that was an old thing a long time ago. Never mind. Uh, but we, and we do all of these things in the name of Jesus in the spirit of love. As the church, Calvary communities, man, for years and years and years and years, we've wanted to do that through the preaching of the word, through pastoral care ministries, through our missions ministry, through our benevolence ministry, through Celebrate Recovery, through Brave Enough, through all of the stuff we, we provide and to help people with their hurts, hangups, and habits, and all these things, through Rooted, through a strong children's program and strong youth program, and through spiritual formation, and, and, and it's bringing people in to help them find healing and restoration and hope in the name of Jesus, but it's not just about bringing people in. How many know it's, we, we gotta go out there? It's not about bringing, it's about sending. And who am I talking to you today? I'm talking to a bunch of people who need to get me sent. Get out there. I don't mean right now, but get out there and be who Jesus has called you to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we change the world. We change a world that needs it today. It's not just about bringing in. It's about you and me being light and salt out in the world. It's about getting out where people live to be sent on a mission. I want you to hear me today because now I'm slowing down again. We need to remember who we are. Remember who you are. Look at me. Remember who you are. The Bible says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God because you are ambassadors. That word ambassador means being a personal representative of a head of state. There's no greater head of state than Jesus, just so we're all clear. There's no greater head of state than Jesus and we have been chosen to be his ambassador and Jesus sends on us on a mission out into Puyallup and Ording and Bonnie Lake and, and Fife and all the surrounding areas to go be his ambassador out there in the world where people are lost and dying and in darkness and captive and all these different things he calls you and I to go out into a post-Christian culture. That's a fancy word, post-Christian. I can give you a lot of highfalutin, but it just basically means this, that Christianity doesn't matter like it used to. No one cares what we have to say anymore. We're post-Christian. You know, if we were ever were the other, but I, we could argue that later, but no one cares what we have to say now. Post-Christian. And it's into that world that he says, go be my ambassadors. Remember who you are. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Chosen by God through his son, Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? In Christ, you are part of what Peter calls a royal priesthood. In other words, we've not only been chosen by God through his son, Jesus Christ, but now we are a royal priesthood. In other words, we stand uh, before God on behalf of the people, and we stand before the people on behalf of God. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You are a holy nation, and I don't mean America, but you are part of the kingdom of God. The minute you accepted Jesus Christ, you became an exile, a foreigner, a sojourner in another land. You belong to the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ as your king. Remember who you are. You are a chosen nation today. 
You are special to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we are these things, and if we remember that, remember that, then what are we called to do? We are to declare his praises because he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if he's done it for you, he'll do it for them. If he's done it for your family, he'll do it for their family. If he's done it for broken people in you and you've been broken and he's healed you, he'll do it for them. We are to declare the praises of him who has called us by name. Remember who you are and stop thinking you're someone else. Remember that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you were raised in church, you know where I'm headed. Sunday school. I'll just do this. How many know what I'm talking about? Four of us, come on. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light, you're doing great. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. We're crazy. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No. I'm, come on. Let's do this. We're going to do it. Put it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You guys are great. Give yourselves a hand, that's pretty good. But here's the problem. Back here now. Here's the problem. Life happens. Life happens. And it just honestly becomes easier to hide our lights under a bushel because of our brokenness, our woundedness, our hurts, our habits, our hangups. It's easier to hide than it is to shine, isn't it? You deal with life just long enough and you realize that to shine means you have to deal with the stuff, the, the, the things in your lives, and that's hard to do. It's hard to join Celebrate Recovery. It's hard to join Brave Enough. It's hard to join a small group that wants to grow in your faith. It's sometimes easier to hide your light under a bushel And today, in the name of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, you need to say, no, I will no longer hide my life under a bushel. We need to remember who we are. See, here's the thing. Long, long time ago, the first Sunday, we sang that song, I exalt thee, we've been given a mission here at Calvary to reach the greater Puyallup Valley for the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll hurt, spill dreams, bring salvation to everyone. That's the old way we put it, but the new way is to, to help people know Jesus and experience life change. This has and will always be the mission here at Calvary Community Church to point people to Jesus, to help them be formed into his image, to build a strong foundation and remind people that they're part of the body. But there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Yesterday at 11 o'clock, and I think the Lord, it wasn't raining. I had to go do a, I went to a graveside, graveside memorial and did a small service for a wonderful lady. Then at 3 o'clock, I went and had her memorial at a place. And I was driving home from her memorial thinking what a great lady she was. And uh, the Lord laid on my heart, uh, Genesis 41. Genesis 41. It's the story of the Pharaoh of Egypt who has these dreams and they're, they're, they're really messing with him. He can't figure them out and he gets all his people and no one can figure it out. 
And so, what, uh, some, I forget who it was. Uh, you can read it and find out and tell me later. Uh, basically said, oh, oh, Pharaoh, remember when you threw me in jail? <laughs> remember when you were mad at me and you threw me in jail? You, you threw me in the other guy and you decided to release me, but you impaled him? <laughs> you got to read it. It's kind of funny in its own way. You let me go, but you impale him. There's this guy in jail whose name was Joseph, and he interpreted our dreams. And, and so Pharaoh says, well, get this guy. So they clean him up. They bring him into the, to Pharaoh, and Joseph interprets the dream. And the dreams were kind of crazy. There were seven fat cows and then seven lean cows. There, were, there was wheat with big bushel on it, and then there was nothing, uh, very lean, empty. And so what he, what the Pharaoh said, I can't interpret these dreams. And, and Joseph, being a man of God, said, well, I can't interpret them either, but God can. God can. And so to make a long story short, because, you know, I know they are playing at 1.30. Um, <laughs> Joseph said, listen, you're going to have seven years of, of prosperity and success and things are going to go well. And then you're going to have seven years of lean. It's going to be seven hard years and it, there's going to be famine in the land. And so you need to prepare. And I like what they did. They put Joseph in charge and he got all the grain together. They had seven years of bounty. They took all that grain and put it in big storehouses and the famine came. The Bible said they had so much grain they couldn't even count it anymore. But the famine didn't just stop at the edges of Egypt. It went into other parts of the world, other parts of the lands around them. And these people came to buy grain from Egypt because Egypt had excess. Can you even see where this is going? Now friends, I'm not, I'm not you know, prophecy to me is a very sacred thing. When I, I believe when Pastor Daniel, Pastor Tan and I speak from this word, the Bible, we're being prophetic, okay? Uh, there's other kinds of prophecy out there that someone says, I, I sense this, and I, you know, I went to my denominational conference in October of 19. All these guys get up and start doing their thing of prophesying this or that, and yeah, then October, or then in March, I'm in Israel. And while I'm in Israel, six months later, all hell breaks loose, and there's this pandemic, and this and I thought to myself, it would have been great if one of those guys with a prophetic voice could have said, hey, COVID's coming. <laughs> Pandemic on the way. Everyone get ready. Prepare. Seven years of lean. But not a one. But that's probably my own thing. I probably shouldn't have shared that with you at all. I'm just a little <laughs> resentful. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Do over. But here's my point. My point is, I'm not, I don't think I'm prophetic. I think I'm being discerning. And you guys make up your own minds. This is, this is us just talking. This is my opinion. But I look at the world around me, and I see that there very possibly could be seven years of lean. There's uh, the economic stuff around us. Inflation just keeps going up like this, right? And it seems like every time they try to fix it with the interest rates, it's not working. The interest rates are called to bring, you know, it forces less borrowing and it causes companies to lay off. You actually want employment to go down so that prices go down and they get it about under 2%. But right now, none of that's working. The stock market still goes up from time to time. It's the weirdest thing. And there's still plenty of jobs out there, which seems kind of weird how they think about all this. But I just, I just wonder if there's not some hard economic times on the, that are coming our direction. And I'm not telling you they are. I'm just saying you need to prepare for them. Is that okay to say? You need to prepare. But it's not just that. It's this whole thing I'm looking at in the world around me, that darkness we talked about earlier. 
that darkness of division and violence and fear and anger and this intensity of hatred and this pulling apart at the very fabric of the institutions we've relied on for 200 years. And it makes me think, is it possible that we are in for a difficult time in the next few years? Is it possible that, that these things are coming our way? And so as I thought of that, I thought of these words. Well, maybe the Lord has laid on the pastor's heart here at Calvary Temple, or Calvary Temple, my dad's church from 50 years ago. Wow. That I exalt really threw me. Uh, is it possible that the Lord has led us to talk about the church and discipleship and a strong foundation because that's what people are gonna need in the next few years. They're gonna need to know who Jesus is. They're gonna have to have a firm foundation that when their world gets rocked and the storms come and the rains come and everything starts happening all around them, that they've got this firm foundation that gives them strength that gives them strengths and holds them together. And, and I would say this, it's not only for, for those of us in this room to not walk by fear, but by faith, to not be angry, but walk by faith and point people to others, because I'm gonna tell you, it won't just be about us in here, but there's a world out there that will be just as fearful, just as scared as you are, and they're gonna have to turn somewhere for hope. And I, I just pray that the Lord Jesus Christ raises us up as people that says, hey, you know what, we've got the answer, his name is Jesus. We, we know Jesus over here. And you don't have to be afraid because we're gonna stand together because we're the church, we're the family. And we're gonna follow Jesus and, and it may get difficult out there, but he'll be your hope and your salvation. And one day, Jesus is coming back and he's gonna set everything right and there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, none of these things. We just want you to know you don't have to go through this alone because that's the call of the church. That's why we are sent out there that for hurting and wounded, broken people who are struggling, we can be light, we can be salt. Remember who you are. We're the church. And our only message is the only one that matters is the name of Jesus. And we become people who proclaim it loud. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. I'm in a real singing mood today, aren't I? First song I ever sang as a solo was that one. Jesus is the answer for the world today. And they're not gonna hear unless we say. They're not gonna hear unless we proclaim. They're not gonna hear until we begin to say, the Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To preach and to teach and to share and to just walk by faith in the midst of a lost and dying world today. Friends, I've already told you this. It's not anything new. I don't think we did such a good job when COVID came out. We were just as afraid and scared as everybody else. And, and church fought against church. And half the crowd left another church because they were mad at me for not being more, more something. I have words for that, but I won't use them. And others came because you were tired of the nonsense, so you showed up here. I want us to get it right this time. I'm gonna give you an exercise for this week. Are you ready? Okay. November 8th, midterms, election. Listen, in the name of Jesus, if your team wins, be gracious. Is that okay? Just be gracious. 
If your team loses, please be gracious. Don't, and if you feel the need that you got to get on Facebook and have a good old rant, don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to call the church office. I want you to ask for Pastor Daniel. Or Pastor Taylor. (laughs) Pastor Brent. But whatever you do, don't ask for me. (laughs) We need to stop seeing ourselves as... You know, I had this lady, one of the pastors said, this lady wanted me to tell your pastor that she's a Republican. So am I, but that won't get me into heaven. I know this comes as a surprise to some of you. But your political affiliation won't get you into heaven. Sorry. You living in this nation in and by itself won't get you into heaven. At some point, you have to be kingdom-centered that you belong to the kingdom of God. All this other stuff is just stuff. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to proclaim the name of the king of the kingdom. His name is Jesus. It's time to be spirit-led. It's time to be kingdom-centric. It's time to proclaim the message of the king. And it's time to go out there and be different. See, friends, if we're just like them, then they won't be able to find Jesus. we got to be different today. Is that okay to say? Okay. Well, then let's stand and worship because this song is a great one. Let's worship the Lord together.